episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Sanborn's Boys. This new sports novel by Benji Mellers is available on Amazon. Order your copy of Sanborn's Boys today. For the first time since, I guess, the trade deadline, there is news that is specific to the Montreal Canadiens because they signed a new player that we had never heard of before, Vasily Demchenko, a goalie out of the KHL, 26 years old, I think, and my memory serves me well. And he has great numbers for basically his entire career. It's funny, though, just this past season was the first one where his numbers dipped. His save percentage dropped to below 9-10 for the first time in a while. But when you look at his track record, a lot of people are saying he's got the potential to be a very good backup to carry Price as long as he can adjust well to North American ice, which is one of the main gripes we've had with this team this season and even before this season as one of the main things that needs to be fixed, a good backup to take the load up price. And at worst, he'll challenge Caden Primo for the backup spot. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. Like, guys out of Russia, uh, like, especially goalies, right? It's really, you. It's, it's hard to get a sense of how good they are, given, like, the difference in competition, and obviously the ice size as well. But uh, it seemed that this guy was killing it uh, beforehand. He had, like, nine save percentages in the 930s, basically throughout the last, I don't know how many years, like, five years. Uh, as you mentioned, he had that dip. So, It'll be interesting to see, definitely, because I don't think this guy's ever made it across uh, to the NHL. So it's his first time on North American soil. Uh, we're just going to have to see. Is this guy it? Um, and my question is, uh, do the Habs still need to do something to address the backup position, do you think, uh, after this move? Or do you think that just riding this guy, uh, this relative unknown, and then having Primo as your you know, plan B as backup, do you think that's enough? Uh, honestly, I do. I think... I don't remember who it was mentioned they still think Montreal might try to sign another backup level goalie. I don't really see that happening. Or I also don't really see a need for that, honestly, because, well, after Price, now you have Demchenko and Primo, not to mention Charlie Lindgren, who we shouldn't forget about because he has been the backup for the bulk of this season. And he is going to have something to say about, you know, keeping that position at training camp in the fall. So that's already three guys now competing for the backup spot. Throwing a a fourth guy into the mix just seems like a lot. Not to mention, it would, you've already got enough goalies to fill up your NHL team and your farm team. So adding a fifth guy just seems like overkill. Yeah, I don't think uh, we don't need to sink any more resources into this. It's just my my primary concern at this point, right? We have uh, a good number of guys, right? We have three people. They could all, uh, like, realistically be solid NHL backups. The one concern I have at this point is, you know, we see a repeat because if you think about it, we had, you know, Lingren and we still had two of those guys uh, that we're going to have next. We had them this season, right? Lingren and Primo. Mm -hmm. So my concern is, right, like, we're just going to see another repeat. Price is on track to play 70 games at this point in the season. And uh, we're just overworking it another season. So, like, I know, obviously, we had the potential for Primo to develop uh, because he's so young. But, uh, you know, my number one concern at this point is not the players, but rather, you know, the, the like, Claude Julier and potentially Mark Bergman, how they handle goaltending situation. Do they still give Price this many games this late into the season? Yeah, because honestly, it doesn't matter if you have the best backup goalie in the world if Claude Julien refuses to play him more than, like, I don't know, 15 games in the season. 
Because when, when you really look at it, this is kind of the same thing we had going into this season, except for replace Keith Kincaid with Vasily Demchenko, who obviously, you know, isn't a surefire great backup. We thought Keith Kincaid would be all right. Uh, we didn't really know he would kind of, you know, fall off that hard. But it really does come down to, as you say, how Julian employs the goalies. Because, yeah, if, if even if Demchenko is, you know, just all right, then any backup could just be all right. You know, we always talk about how goal goaltending is voodoo and you never know what you're going to get, which is even more true with backup goalies. So, like, if you want to talk about, you know, the backup goaltending situation is still kind of shaky or unknown, well, you could make the argument that it's always going to be like that. But if you've got three guys who've all got a shot to be a backup, then I don't think there's that much to complain about when you're talking about heading into a season. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the fact is, the, the starter position is rock solid. So really, you're, you've got three guys jo- like fighting for one job. Uh, I, you asked me, that's more than enough. Uh, if you're, We're talking about fighting for one roster spot, basically. And so odds are, you'll find somebody that's good. And at this point, uh, once you do find that somebody, uh, it's, just, it's just a matter of playing him and giving him the minutes. And, you know, Julian didn't do that last year. And so, you know, fingers crossed. I don't know. Uh, if they see this problem, that's my that's my issue. Do they see a problem with Carey Price playing this many games? Uh, obviously, we both see an issue with it. But my concern is that you know, honestly, they they think it was fine. Uh, I mean, we'll just have to see next season. But uh, I really don't want to be complaining about the goaltending situation next season, uh, especially when it comes to the backups. Yeah, me too. I'm kind of tired of complaining about that. Um, so actually, recently in the NHL, there's been a pretty good track record with goalies coming over from Europe and being really good pretty much instantly. Merzlikens comes to mind, Ilya Shostorkin with the Rangers, um, Sam Sonov too. And the, oh, and he doesn't really count. He had been with the Hershey Bears for a while. But anyway, it's, I feel like, so that kind of inspires a little bit of confidence in Dimchenko, even though obviously, you know, different goalies, different scenario. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, look, it's just it just seems like a lot of these players... Uh, just like really any prospect, it's kind of a crapshoot, especially at the goalie position. And so, yeah, fingers crossed. Hopefully, look, if this guy is the back of the f- back, do you know what the, the terms of the contract were, or was it just that he's joining the Habs? Uh, it's an entry-level deal because it had to be. And because he's 26, I think the only option was one year. So I'm pretty sure it's a one-year deal. And because of his age, he's a UFA at the end of it. So this is not a long-term commitment or anything. Uh, if it works out nice and he likes it here, maybe he'll stick around for longer. But I would expect that after this season, they're probably handing over the backup reins to Caden Primo. I mean, after the coming season, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. two seasons from now. Uh, yeah, so really, I think they're just going for Primo uh, just to just to make it into the NHL uh, as a full-time backup. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's just can't wait for Primo to come over. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, that's that. Uh, so, moving on. We got a, a bunch of our, our list right now. It's a bunch of uh, European names. So we went from Demchenko uh, to... Uh, we can move to actually Elvis Merzlikens, uh, who you mentioned earlier. So uh, sure. this guy got a uh, new contract. Uh, after we talked about him this season, he was actually liked out at a certain point. He slowed down a bit near the end of the season. But he had a stretch where he had, like, I don't know how many shutouts. And uh, so, yeah, Elvis Merzlikens, his contract was $4 million. Uh, I think uh, the, I think how many years was it? Was it two years? Yes, yeah, so it was two years. Yeah, two years. Four million dollars each. Uh, your thoughts? I mean, he's already more expensive than uh, Jonas Corposalo. Yeah, that was uh, that was the first thing everyone noticed, including me, that Corposalo 
who going into this season was the Blue Jackets starter and Merzlikens was supposed to be the backup, at least for the time being, signed for a similar contract in that it's two years long and they are both very close in age. But Corpus Alice is $2.8 million per and Merzlikens is $4 million per. Um, this contract, a lot of people were pointing out that they must have used Jordan Bennington as the comparable because there's really no other instance of a goalie playing like about half a season very well and then securing like $4 million or Bennington was like almost five on a short deal. And Merzlikens also, this isn't the kind of deal where like you're locking them down long term so they could possibly be taking a little bit of the pay cut in the long term. This contract walks him right into unrestricted free agency in two years. So obviously I know he had an extremely hot stretch for a couple weeks, but I think it's an overpay. And, and the, the, it's not a very good term for Columbus. And I think the cap it is way too high for a guy who only proved himself for a short stretch of time. Yeah, I look at the contract. They're just like wild in every sense. Like they're walking the guy to the free agency. He's being paid $4 million for crying out loud. That's like, at this point, that's like a, a pretty decent starter level money, uh, especially in the, like in the NHL. So like, uh, I mean, obviously he played great over the, the half season that he played. But yeah, as you mentioned, he only played half a season. He hasn't proven himself over the course of a uh, full season. And and now you're, you're spending, I don't know, $7 million on the goaltending position there. Uh, so yeah, what was the Corpus Allos deal again? Was it, how many years was it? Two years. Uh, I think it also walks him right to UFA, uh, 2.8 per. Yeah, it's weird. Like you're just walking. You're gonna let. You're gonna have both of your goals. You're gonna. You're gonna end up in the same situation two years from now. Except, no, I don't think either of them are gonna be uh, U, RFAs at that point. They can just both leave. And so, uh, I'm not too sure what Kekalainen is doing there. I don't know if they have some sort of long term plan because at this point they're setting themselves up for a pretty complicated situation two years down the road where they're probably gonna have to like probably overpay one of the guys and only choose one of them. And uh, I mean, I don't know. I just. And, and as you said, like, uh, Merzlikens, he's probably less proven than Corpus Allo. Corpus Allo has been in the league for, like, four or five years now at this point. And he's and Merzlikens comes in red hot. He has a nice little hot stretch. And now you're paying him, you know, like, almost double what Corpus Allo is making. Uh, I just I just question it. It's not like Corpus Allo had a bad season by any means. He actually had a pretty decent season himself. And, yeah, I, I, I didn't think that, like, I don't have such a problem with Corpus Allo. But when you, compare, when you combine it, compare it with Merzlikens, it's all just, uh, it makes, it's kind of a head-scratcher. Yeah, making these two deals just about a week apart from each other, uh, let me check, six days apart from each other, I feel like really sends the message like, all right, Merzlikens is the starter, it's his job to lose, but we do expect Corpus Allo to be an extremely high-end backup, being able, or possibly being able to take the reins and possibly have, you know, a 1A, 1B situation, uh, what's the tandem, that's the word I'm looking for. So, yeah, it should work out fine for the next two years, as long as Merzlikens, you know, he doesn't have to get a shutout every week like he did this season on average. But as long as it wasn't a total flash in the pan, I don't see it working out too badly for the next two seasons. I don't think the cap hits would necessarily be outrageous. There's still a pretty decent ceiling on how well they'll work out. The problem, though, is that it's totally within their control to walk away in two years. And if the Blue Jackets don't plan ahead to leave them with no goalies at all. Actually, I just thought of this. I think there's a pretty good chance that one of them gets picked up by Seattle because, well, I don't know. Well, maybe Seattle wouldn't want to just take one of these goalies who only has one year left on their deal. 
maybe they do actually yeah they probably would you know especially because they're very good they'll still be relatively young i guess because the seattle expansion draft only is in a year so just off the top of my head i'll actually i haven't done much thinking about it but you know one of these goalies getting claimed by seattle seems quite within the realm of possibility Absolutely. You bring up a great point there. And uh, that's something we're going to actually have to monitor basically from now until the day of the expansion draft, right? Uh, in terms of contracts, like, are you going to, like, are you just setting this guy up to be taken? Is he going to take up a protection spot that you're going to end up losing a nice young guy? Uh, and so, yeah, in this situation, uh, both of them are eligible. Both of them, by the time the expansion draft will have a year left. And so, you know, you found Seattle. And I kind of, you know, Vegas is kind of the model there. Uh, what's going to stop me from taking uh, one of these goalies? They're both pretty solid. I mean, obviously, Merzlikens isn't nearly as proven as Corpus Allo, but still, uh, given his last season, if he can hold it up next season, I mean, if he's available, I'm taking the guy, right? And I, and he probably wants to sign a big contract in Seattle at that point because, you know, who doesn't like the, the, the security? And so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's still kind of funky. Uh, and uh, I mean, it just kind of makes you question. I guess, I guess the thing is actually, you know, with this whole expansion draft in mind, I think the thing is they just they they're not sure. I think this this is the message that they're sending. You know, they just they don't know who they prefer. I mean, obviously they spent more money money on Merzlikens, but long term, I think Kekalan is having a hard time deciding who's the goalie of the future, if either of them at all. Yeah, or probably I don't know if he, if he feel like he wow what was that? I don't know if he feels like he needs to make the decision right now because as we said, Corpus Hall is more proven over a longer stretch. Merzlikens has shown a higher ceiling. So he's, he's kind of saying, all right, we'll see what happens next season. Then maybe I'll make a decision on who I like better. Well, you'll have to make a decision at the expansion draft. Unless, looking at by his expansion draft record, he might go, all right, Seattle, if you take neither one of our goalies, then instead we'll give you some massive contract and also our first-round pick and give you a fourth liner who's going to score 40 goals next year. Yeah, we saw how well that worked out. Uh, for them last time uh, that happened, uh, Hawking Christ, and so uh, hopefully they don't give up another William Carlson. Uh, I I don't know how that how, how that well that would vote uh, for Columbus. I think I think at this point, if we're just gonna quickly touch on expansion, uh, I think you just the best strategy is just let Seattle just take whoever they want, right? And you don't wanna you don't wanna tempt them too much because it ends up we we look at how it turned out for Vegas. I mean, they didn't really benefit from the actual picks that they made or rather the hauls that they got for not picking certain guys. Yeah, looking at, honestly, every team that made some sort of side deal with Vegas, it didn't end up working out for them. We talk about the Blue Jackets is the big one that everyone talks about, but I'm also thinking, like, Minnesota, they could have exposed, uh, trying to remember. Well, actually, actually, maybe Minnesota's not a great example because they did have four great defensemen. They, they had Matt Dumba exposed, so that would have been a big loss. But, I mean, instead, they gave up Eric Halla and Alex Tuck, which is, I don't know, kind of a, I would say, maybe a worse thing to give up than just Matt Dumba, looking back on it now. Uh, you also have the Ducks, who had, I'm trying to think, Sammy Vatnin or, like, Jakob Silverberg. But instead of, they didn't want to lose either one of them, so they made the side deal, like, take Shea Theodore instead, and we'll also dump Clayton Stoners, like, the last year of his bad contract on you. So looking back on that one, I don't think the Ducks made out so well with that one either. So I think a lot of teams are probably going to have learned from those mistakes last time and just let Seattle take one of the exposed players. Maybe not. Maybe no one will have learned from their past errors. We'll see. 
it's NHL GMs. I frankly do not expect them to have learned anything uh, over the last few years. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw another whole bunch of, uh, you know, Seattle fleecings. If I think it's Ron Francis is their GM. If Ron Francis can do what George McPhee did, uh, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if teams are just coughing up first-round picks so that you don't take their number four defenseman. All right. Uh, sticking with the Blue Jackets, we thought they had made another signing, Mikhail Grigorenko, former NHLer, going, uh, I guess, also future NHLer again now. Uh, very high pick of the Buffalo Sabres. There were actually, I remember rumors at the time in the 2012 draft that Montreal was kicking his name around as an option to take at number three. Uh, I would say thankfully they didn't because he didn't really end up panning out so well with Buffalo. Got traded to Colorado in the O'Reilly trade. Became a, a third liner for the most part. Then left in, I think it was 2017, to go play in Russia. But he's been great in the KHL recently. And he wanted to come back to the NHL. And he, he had made his decision to sign with the Columbus Blue Jackets. It looked official. I think it was two years, $1.2 million per and then the NHL ended up rejecting the deal because Grigorenko, since he had played in the NHL before, needed to wait until July 1st to sign. Well, I guess it might not, it probably won't end up being July 1st. Whenever free agency officially opens, that's when he'll be allowed to officially sign with Columbus. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just one of these weird procedural things uh, that's probably amplified by this current pandemic because, you know, it's just so uncertain. Uh, and so, yeah, Mikhail Grigenko, the whole signing, I think it's fascinating. Right? As you mentioned, he was a pretty highly touted prospect. He just he kind of busted. Uh, but, you know, they, you see this happen sometimes. They go to the KHL, they kind of rebuild their confidence, they rebuild their game a bit, and then they come back, maybe they're better. Uh, who knows? What do you, do you think? I think the ceiling for this guy is, you know, probably a middle six role, no? Yeah, I don't really have a good idea of what he's going to be like. He was supposed to be a center. He played a lot of wing, though, also in the NHL. So he's flexible in that way. I don't really see him, you know, turning into a superstar, although I really am not basing that on that much. I remember the times I did watch him play in the NHL, I didn't really see him having the high-end, super high-end skill toolkit sort of thing. So in the NHL, I do see him probably maxing out as like, a uh, decent third liner. But, I mean, he has put up pretty good numbers in the KHL recently, so I guess you do never know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I can't blame Columbus for making this move. I think the contract was like a million bucks, maybe a bit more. Uh, you could take a flyer on this guy. I mean, he was probably taken pretty high for a reason. You talk about the Haas, maybe even picking him. Uh, they were considering him. And so, you know, the talent is there, I think. I mean, probably. And so why not take a flyer on the guy? It doesn't really cost you. It doesn't cost you any assets. You just, you know, send them a bunch of cap space and uh, you're on with your day. Uh, yeah, just the fact that the NHL rejected it, I think I think it'll get done. Yeah, like just once once this thing, whole thing kind of blows over and we we get to any sort of normalcy, I think the NHL will sign on up on this one and it'll be a Columbus Blue Jacket next, next season. Yeah, it'll happen right away. Gregory Inkweven even made sure everyone knew, said, I've made my decision. This is where I'm going. And if I have to wait to sign the contract, then I'll wait to sign the contract. Yeah. Okay. All right. Perfect. And uh, we'll move on to some more general league talk. And uh, so we talked about potential ways that the league is going to reopen. You know, uh, I think the big one up until recently was they're going to have a neutral host site. And so we're talking like, uh, you know, it was like Manchester, New Hampshire and North Dakota, whatever, whatever. Uh, so that plan, uh, it's been nixed. Apparently it never got past the concept stage. Uh, for the NHL, they never really considered it. It was just, you know, 
the media kind of going crazy with, uh, oh, what could we possibly do? And the new thing, the new hot topic, hot option for the NHL that apparently they're actually sh- considering pretty strongly is uh, just these, like, kind of not, they're non-neutral home cities, but uh, you just kind of pick a stadium in for each division. Like, for example, the rumors were Toronto for the Atlantic and Columbus for the Metro. And you just stick each division there. You let the division play against each other for the rest of the 82-game season. And then you just call it wraps there, and then you go right into the playoffs. Uh, what are your thoughts on this plan? Yeah, so honestly, I haven't really, I hadn't really thought through. Like they won't, they wouldn't be able to if they went through with this plan. They wouldn't be able to finish the normal regular season schedule. They would have to remodel the schedule somehow so that everyone only plays teams within their division. Uh, I guess that was a pretty obvious thing. For some reason, it never really clicked to me though. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, possibly it is the best option. I kind of preferred the idea of having all 31 teams in like in one zone with maybe four arenas within proximity. Not sure if there's anywhere like that. Maybe at least two arenas within proximity, kind of like they do at the World Juniors. Maybe the logistics of having so many players in a small, relatively small space wouldn't really work out. But I don't really mind the idea of having the division split up like that. But I think it would work best to have a pretty short end to the regular season where you kind of just, you know, balance out the games. And the teams that have already played the most play like maybe two games or three. And you get to, I don't know, 76, whatever, something like that. I don't think you need to finish the full 82 at this point, especially if you only get going in like late July. But having... uh this you know this split up plan of the the four divisions that would work really well in the playoffs i think where you would just have like two series going on in each arena at once or so you could like possibly alternate days and then in the next round you have one series in each building and the only thing with that one though is that there is quite a bit of travel near the end of the playoffs i guess i guess it's not that bad yeah each team or like one of the teams in each conference one of the teams in each conference would just fly once to their to the other building and then once again for the Stanley Cup final. So it really isn't too bad. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can just stick one series in any stadium at this point because there's really no home ice advantage or anything, right? Uh, you don't need to fly yeah. them back and forth. It's just, uh, you, it's like whatever. You stick them in Columbus and uh, who gives a rat's ass? Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this it's, as you said, it sets up nicely for the playoffs. My one concern is, I don't know why, but the NHL seems very set on playing 82 games for the regular season. Like, I agree with you wholeheartedly. They don't need to play 82 games. You've played most of the season. Uh, you just play a few to kind of even the games out. Maybe you tack on a few extra. But I don't know why. But everywhere I look, you know, they just seem so set on, you know, we're going to get this 82-game regular season done. And uh, it makes me wonder. First of all, what's so sacred about 82 games? Uh, I mean, like, I-, I don't understand. What's the big deal here? You're not making that much revenue anyways. Like, you get the TV stuff probably, but you're not getting any fan revenue because there's going to be no fans for sure at this point. And so uh, what's the big deal with 82? I don't understand. Uh, I don't really think we've gotten anything from the league in terms of reasoning. But uh, if it's one big problem I have with this, it's this. Why are you wasting your time uh, with this kind of uh, – with these extra, you know, season, regular season games? And uh, at that point, especially once you get into the later parts – I, I imagine the quality will drop off as well as teams start to clinch their playoff spots, as teams start to drop out. Um, and so, yeah, it just makes me kind of question that. Yeah, if you wanted to finish 
the regular season like it was before somehow, then I guess I might have time for that argument. But if you're going to have to totally revamp the schedule anyway, where you only play within your division, 80, playing, playing 82 games makes absolutely no sense to me. Most players are on board with having some sort of finish to the regular season before you jump right into the playoffs, even if you did have like a little training camp before the playoffs. So I don't mind that. But having to, you know, when you think about it, the where were the NHL were like there were about 68 games around on average when the season stopped. So that's like almost a month, like, I don't know, three weeks or three and a half weeks of hockey left in the regular season before you jump into the playoffs. I don't know how much you could reasonably condense that so that players won't be, you know, too exhausted, maybe like down to three weeks, not by much. So you're talking about getting the regular season back, getting hockey back and still having three weeks before you start the playoffs. I don't like it. Yeah, me neither. Uh, and uh, yeah, frankly, it doesn't make sense. Another thing that doesn't make sense, I just saw something, uh, some news that came out a couple of days ago, Bill Daly, who's asked, you know, uh, he was talking about the whole situation. Uh, and, and he was like, uh, if we do have some positive tests uh, of coronavirus within the players after the season has started, it doesn't mean they're going to shut the whole thing down. And uh, frankly, I cannot believe that this idiot would say something like that. Um, I mean, look, we've, we've seen how freaking contagious this thing is. And this guy's coming out and saying, if we do have a positive test, we're not necessarily going to shut the whole thing down. We might keep it going. Uh, I think that's extremely reckless. And if we're talking about avoiding a second wave of the coronavirus, I mean, this kind of stupidity, we're talking about players, we're talking about their families as well, uh, because they're not going to keep these guys away from their family for two months at a time. Uh, And so, uh, yeah, we're talking about a great risk here. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure what the hell the NHL is thinking on this one. Yeah, I hadn't heard anything about that. Hopefully, um, Bill Daly is just one guy who's not an expert saying things. Because if the NHL season is going again and there is a positive test, there is no way that they don't cancel it on the spot because, well, first of all, you would get receive tons of criticism from basically everybody, not to mention what players are going to be like, yeah, you know what? I think it's still safe for me to stick around. I honestly think that even though players are, you know, very, what's, what's the word? For some reason, I can't think of any words the, this past couple of days. I don't know. Maybe I'm too tired. They wouldn't be very eager to display their personality or take any sort of big stance. I think this would be an instance where a lot of players would go, especially if this was just as it gets going again and it's a team that's near the bottom of the league anyway, go, yeah, we're not playing anymore in this environment where that's very dangerous for our health, will impact us, will impact the people we live with. So, yeah, I don't I don't think that the NHL would – I don't know what Bill Daly's talking about. Yeah, but Bill Daly, Bill Daly is the deputy commissioner of the NHL, right? You talk about, you know, he's not some expert, but the fact of the matter, he's like Gary Bettman's right-hand man at this point. And so to see him saying this crap, I mean, I'm looking at the court right now, and that, uh, uh, but not only one positive test, but if we have multiple positive tests, they still wouldn't necessarily shut the whole thing down. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, I'm, I, I'm looking at a very dangerous attitude from the NHL, uh, and this, this whoever, Bill Daly, Bill Daly He's not some random schmuck from the NHL front office. He is the deputy commissioner. And so to see something so moronic, uh, I, I, he said, wouldn't necessarily. I mean, that's just outrageous. I think at this point, you necessarily shut the whole thing down. And uh, just this quote doesn't exactly inspire confidence for an NHL post-COVID uh, when it comes to these, you know, potentially ending the season. 
Yeah, it really does. I still think even if Bill Daly is pushing to somehow keep things open, I feel like there must be some way that they would be able to say someone, I don't know, if there's some sort of doctor associated with the NHL or I don't know, there has to be some someone with veto power to say this is not safe and just totally well, close it. If I'm the NHLPA, I'm saying if, you know, like, fuck it, we're not continuing if one guy gets gets COVID, right? Like, I yeah. think that's the NHLPA's job at this point. You know, we, we've got to fight for your workers. And, uh, yeah, I mean, why? We're not going to put these people at risk uh, for a season that's, especially if we're talking a regular season, that's a total joke. Uh, and we're putting these guys at risk. Even for the playoffs, it makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, so, I mean, I understand that people want to get this thing, uh, going to want to like sort of return to normal, but the fact of the matter is it's going to take a long, long time. And, you know, people with this kind of attitude trying to rush this whole thing, uh, it's just moronic, and you're going to only get yourself and others in trouble. Uh, and so, yeah, hopefully Bill Daly, uh, I understand he's important, but hopefully he's the only guy in the attitude. Uh, he's the only guy in the room with that sort of attitude. But what concerns me is that the NHL, uh, the front office, they all kind of think the same, and they're all obsessed with the money aspect of the league. And so I'm afraid that Bill Daly is not the only guy in the NHL front office. In fact, I'm convinced that Bill Daly is not the only guy in the NHL front office uh, who has this mindset because, in you know, the NHL, they're all about the money. Just, just look up Gary Bettman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, they were talking about, like, possibly having the draft in June, like, at the normal time or around the normal time, and then finishing the season afterwards. Uh, there would obviously be lots of weird logistics to work out with not only the pick order, but also a bunch of conditional picks based on how far you go in the playoffs. Uh, this just seems like a stupid idea. Yeah, I don't know what the hell the NHL is doing. Why is it that the only league coming up, well, they're not the only league, but like out of the four major ones, it seems like they're the only one that comes up with these dumbass ideas, like a, a draft in June. I mean, I understand the the NFL had their draft just this past weekend. It was a huge success. However, completely different situation. The NHL hasn't even finished their season. They see want they want to go full blown on this whole eighty two game season. They want to do the playoffs, and yet they still want to have the draft at the same time. I mean, I don't know what they're thinking. Uh, you, you said it. Yeah, it's stupid. It's moronic. I mean, what the hell are they thinking? Uh, just the logistics of like who's picking where. Uh, what are you basing this all off of? It makes no sense. I uh, just I have no idea what they're thinking. Uh, how are you gonna how are you gonna build a draft order if you're fucking doing the draft in June and the NHL hasn't even finished the regular season? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, it's just you know I understand that it's a time to shoot out creative creative ideas, but it seems that the only ones leaking to the press are the stupidest ones you could possibly think of, and this draft in June idea is just one of them. Yeah, especially because the draft is the kind of thing that you could theoretically do whenever you want. Like it's not like free agency where you need, you know, some sort of heads up because players are, you know, making life-changing decisions. The the draft like well, teams should be prepared for it, but at you know, at any point. And obviously this wouldn't happen, but in a theoretical world where you finish the Stanley Cup final and then training camp for the next season starts 3 days later. As I'm just throwing this out to for argument's sake, you could have the draft the day after the Stanley Cup final. And honestly, nothing much would really change. Yeah, absolutely. You, 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 that's it, right? It doesn't really matter when you hold a fucking draft. But 99% of these guys aren't even going to play in the, the NHL next year anyways. Like what? You're going to have like 10 guys who got picked, who's going to make an appearance, who are going to show up day one uh, and suit up opening day. Uh, so... You know, that, like, it's not like the NFL. The NFL, you have, like, all sorts of starters. Everybody drafted in round one is a starter in their first game. They're definitely starting. If not, it's a total bust. 
But the NHL is totally different. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what the hell the, the process is here. And, uh, yeah, frankly, I'm sick of these stupid ideas that keep coming from the NHL. Why can't they have any sort of smart idea that we can nod our heads and be like, yeah, that makes sense. There we go. It's just you know, everything. It's just like, uh, no, this is wrong. This can go wrong. Uh, this detail makes no sense whatsoever. And, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's the NHL. That's what we expect at this point. But still, you'd like some sort of smart coming from the About league. About a month ago. When we started hearing like all these crazy ideas leaking, like oh, 31 team playoff, it was like wow, that's exciting, that's interesting, that's new. And now, as you say, we're kind of like, all right, kind of sick of this. Can why can't you just be normal? Yeah, exactly. Like it's it, there's a time to be creative, but creative doesn't mean stupid. All right, and uh, honestly, I think the NHL seriously, they're not even these ideas aren't creative at all. It's just they're teetering towards the absolute moronic, and so. Uh, yeah, seriously. Like, if you're not going to be creative at NHL, just fucking get with the program and stop with these stupid-ass ideas and just shut your mouth, all right? And just wait for the NBA and copy what they do because that that, that apparently is... Uh, it, it, it lands you in a better place than if we just left you to your own devices. Uh, so, yeah, at this point, fuck it. Uh, if I'm the NHL, I'm just going to copy what the, whatever the NBA does. Uh, when the NBA opens, I'll open with them. And, uh, I mean, who gives a shit at this point? Uh, and... Uh, because the NHL, it just seems that they can't, they can't, uh, they can't govern themselves. We have one more thing to get to, in terms of ice hockey. Before you give me your quiz, that I don't know what it is. Um, the NWHL announced a couple of days ago they're expanding to Toronto. Uh, that's exciting for Toronto for women's hockey for Canada because obviously that's a really big hockey market. We don't know when the NWHL is going to get going again, of course, just like any other sports league. Um, we don't know where this team is going to play. I don't think we even know what they're going to be called, but it's still very, very exciting. I could possibly root for them, because, seeing as they're the only Canadian team, and I don't really have a personal vendetta against Toronto. But on the other hand, maybe I won't want to, because there are rumblings that they might be expanding to Montreal as well in the not-so-distant future, perhaps over the next couple of years. Yeah, I think this is this news is absolutely fascinating. First of all, I won't be cheering for the Toronto team because I do have a vendetta against Toronto for some reason. I hate all of their sports teams, and so you won't see me cheering for them. Uh, however, I think it's 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 fascinating. Uh, it just shows it kind of shows like how the NWHL has managed to stay afloat. Uh, we talked about the danger of them, you know, when the CWHL folded. We talked about the danger of them potentially going down with them, and then the NHL steps in, makes their own women league, their own women's league. But, uh, I mean, it looks like they're doing pretty well. Uh, at this point, you know, they're expanding it to Canada. This is CWHL territory, right? The CWHL has the, the, the Furies uh, in Toronto. Uh, that's not a thing anymore. And so you see the NWHL, you know, they're expanding. That's good sign. That's a good sign for them. That shows that they're doing relatively well. And uh, we're talking about expanding to more cities that, you know, the, the, the C, you know, used to have a hold on, like Montreal and stuff like that. And so... Yeah, I think it's fascinating. I think it means the, I think it's a very good sign for the NWHL. Um, obviously, there's that uh, you know the I don't know how to call it, but you know those play a lot of those star players don't want to play in the NWHL, and so there's all that. But in terms of just the health of this league, just looking at it in a vacuum, uh, the fact that they're expanding into different countries, into different cities, into a big city in Toronto, I think it's very exciting news for women's hockey. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we are at 35 and a half minutes now. Um, do you want to do the quiz or is there anything else you have to cover? Uh, I mean, I just, I want to shout out the NFL draft real quick. Um, All right. It just ended yesterday. 
Uh, very exciting. Uh, primarily because my team nailed it, not going to lie. Uh, the Titans had a great draft. Uh, they drafted all sorts of great players. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just want to shout out that. And, uh, you know, I actually, I had a list of their needs listed out uh, by position. You know, they need two of cornerbacks, whatever, whatever. And they drafted them to a T. It was perfect. They almost had, they had the order down too. Like every single position I wanted, they got a great guy. And so I'm very excited about this next season. If it happens, hopefully it does. But uh, the NFL draft, it was like a perfect oasis in the middle of this quarantine. Uh, I've watched tons of it. I almost watched the entire broadcast. It was fantastic. I've been looking forward to this from before the quarantine. But especially since we are in quarantine, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And it paid off beautifully. And so... Uh, unless you have anything to share about the NFL draft from your from your perspective, we can move on to the quiz. I watched the the first pick just to you know see how it would look with the you know obviously because it was over was it Zoom I don't know some sort of video call that's how they did the draft of course and so I watched the first pick Joe Burrow went to the oh, don't tell me the Bengals was that it. There we go. Yes, correct. All right. Look at me remembering that. So I watched one pick and then I kind of left and went off to do other things. But uh, you showed me that picture of the Titans coach's house with, well, what was the, Frozone? Was that his name? The guy standing yeah. up there. And then there was like a reflection of someone taking a shit. So I don't know. I guess that was the, the highlight for, for me, even though it was kind of the only part I saw. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. I mean, you had a guy in a mullet, too, and it was like a whole shebang in Mike Vrabel's house. Uh, that was pretty funny. That was the highlight of my night one. Uh, the highlight of my other, the only other, the other highlight uh, was, you know, Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. This guy, he had to announce every single pick for like many rounds, I think three rounds, and you could just see the guy running out of steam. Uh, he starts night one in like a jacket. And then uh, day two, he shows up in like a sweater. Then he, or like, a, like, you know, a nice pole sweater. Then he takes it off. And by day three, he's sitting down on his easy chair and uh, he's in a t shirt and he's completely slouched over uh, while he announces a pick. Uh, so, yeah, if you see that on the internet, I think it's absolutely hilarious. This guy totally ran out of steam. And uh, it's just funny. The progression of Roger Goodell. Look that up. All right. So we'll get into the quiz. Oh, wait. Um, I want to yeah. talk. If the NHL, which I assume they will, do their, their draft in a similar way to the NFL, I hope they don't have Bettman do the picks. I hope they stick with having some representative from the teams announce the picks themselves because that would just be so funny. Because Well, it, it always is funny. You always get a couple funny moments, and I feel like this past draft, there were even more than usual. Like You had the Vancouver guy mispronounce Pod Coles, and he was like, Vasilia Pod And then... <laughs> And then, like, the guy who announced the pick for Dallas, Thomas Harley, he called him Harley Thomas. And then when someone, uh, one of the other Dallas executives corrected him, he went, he just went right back to the mic, totally unfazed. He was like, oh, Thomas Harley, excuse me, got it backwards. I just, that stuff is hilarious. And I feel like it would be amplified times 10 over the internet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, one of the, actually, speaking of the NFL draft, uh, there was a, you know, quarterback, very highly touted after Joe Burrow, and his name was Tua Tagovailoa. And, uh, you know, Roger Goodell has, like, fucking six months to fucking practice this guy's name. And he totally butchers it um, on national television. And so that kind of shit is funny. I mean, the fact is, uh, we're going to have, I think, exponentially more kids. If it is the, the team's representatives, we'll have exponentially oh, number of, of kids announcing the picks. And the kids always screw it up. And so that that's always fun. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, lots of potential here. If uh, I don't want to fucking see Gary Bettman's face 30 times a night. 
So if we do get the teams represented, there's lots of potential, lots of potential. For some reason, the kid announcing the pick that sticks out in my head is a couple years ago when Tom Dundon's daughter, I think it was, announced the Andrei Svechnikov draft pick. And she pronounced it Smechnikov and just put such this, like, <laughs> such this, like, in- intense accent on the Smech, you know, like, so I don't know. I thought that was hilarious. And for some reason, now it sticks out in my head. Yeah, I remember that one. I remember that one. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, what can you say? It's fucking hilarious when these kids are dumb as shit. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Hopefully they don't screw this one up. Like, they screwed everything up, kind of. Um, just get the fucking kids on. Get the kids on. I know uh, Bill Belichick had his dog on. Uh, fucking, uh, you know, they had shots of the different executives, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, for long stretches of time, the, the the Bill Belichick feed was just a dog sitting in front of a bunch of computers. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I don't know if he was trolling us or if he just, well, I don't know what was up there, but uh, that was pretty funny. Uh, not Maybe not when you hold my place, Fido. Yeah, may- <laughs> maybe not coincidentally, the Patriots had an awful draft. And so maybe it was the dog itself uh, making the picks. Not typical for the Patriots to make so many terrible picks. But, uh, I mean, they had a pretty shitty draft. So perhaps it really was the dog. Uh, Bill, Pel- Bill Belichick accidentally took a nap. And Fido took it upon himself to make these picks. So, uh, yeah. So that's draft talk. Um, we can move to the quiz. Yeah? Sure. Unless you got anything else to add? All right. Nope. Quiz time. The theme this week. I thought it up on the spot this morning. Um, relevant to this news is the phenomenon that we saw this season. A certain rookie goalie with a fantastic name, Elvis Merzlikens. And so, ah, it was, we talked about him a lot. And so I thought you'd be pretty familiar with him and his stats by now, given that we actually just talked about him. And so I thought, why not a quiz on Elvis Merzlikens? Wow. We are taking a page from we are taking a, a page from last week's book from your quiz. Uh, we're doing the over under thing, but we are playing with many stats here and not just games played or points. Okay. All right, here we go. We'll start. We'll start. We'll start with uh, the two Columbus goalies, uh, Elvis versus Corpusalo. We got a couple of stats going on. Uh, so, who is older? Elvis or Corpus Allo. Oh, wait, wait, before you start. Uh, oh, yeah, I got to set the passing grade. got to set the passing grade. We have eight questions. Thoughts? Okay, do you think, like, five is reasonable or six? You know, well, I think six maybe because, like, I think because uh, literally just by doing random guessing, I should theoretically get four out of eight. So, like, I feel like having two over that is a, okay. a, good, is a good challenge. Six is the threshold. Uh, so you were about to answer. Uh, yeah. So earlier in the show, honestly, I was looking at their cap friendly pages for their, for the new contract. So I did see the answer. Uh, Elvis is older than Corpus Allo. Elvis is 26 and Corpus Allo is 25, right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, okay. I did anticipate this. I did anticipate this. So don't worry. This won't be nearly as, uh, easy going down. Uh, so, a bit of a freebie. Let's move on. Uh, against Corpus Allo again, who played more games last year? Uh, it started with Corpus Allo as the starter. And I know Merzlikin spent a little bit of time in the minors, too. And I think after Elvis's hot stretch, Corpus Allo came back in afterward when Merzlikin started to dip a little bit. So, I feel like 
Corpus Allo's played more games, but I think it's close. But I'll say Corpus Allo. Correct, and it is close. They're only four games apart, so 37 to Ooh. 33. And uh, so, yeah, you're right on that one. Uh, Corpus Allo has played more games. We're running on a pretty hot start. And here, uh, actually, this one's not. I'll give you another one. Uh, it's not as funky. Uh, we talked about Bennington. He's the comparable for uh, Merzlikens' contract. And so who had more wins in their rookie season? Ooh, oh, man. Bennington was, I think, the starter in St. Regular Louis season wins. Yeah, Regular yeah, season wins. Yeah, yeah, okay, Thank okay. you. All right. From basically from, like, I don't know, middle of January or maybe even the beginning of January till the end of the season. And St. Louis had a big hot run then. Merzlikens has only played 33 games, so I think Bennington had more wins. That's right. 24 to 13. It wasn't very close. Uh, yeah, I didn't so, think so. Yeah, 3, three, three to 0. Uh, we're running pretty good. Uh, and so, next one. The number of shutouts this season were years since this guy was drafted. What? Well, oh, oh, I got it. I got it. Okay. So, okay. Merzlikens... We have more shutouts. Or has it been more the number of years since this guy's been drafted? Which one's okay. more? Merzlikens was drafted, I think, in 2014. So that's six years. And my gut is telling me he had more than six shutouts. So that'll that that's my answer. More more shutouts than years since he drafted. Unfortunately, he only had five shutouts. No. And so we are uh three for four. Uh, and uh, it was it has been more years since he's been drafted. He's averaged less than a shutout a year since he was wow. drafted. Uh, what so a there's your stat of the day. What a total scrub. All right. Now we're getting into the funky shit, all right? Uh, we're going into some real blender garbage. All right, here we go. So, which is more? The number of minutes this guy has played, Elvis has played, or the total all-time number of points Joe Thornton has scored. So what? Okay. So all right, let me do some some math. So thirty-three games. He probably didn't play the full hour in all of them, but because maybe but maybe there was some overtime to balance it out. So thirty-three hours is how many minutes? Thirty-three times sixty. Let's try to do some math. Uh, thirty-three times. 60 is 1,980, I think. Right? Yeah. Okay. I think I'm right with that. That many minutes. Joe Thorne points is, I'm pretty sure, less than that. Merzlikens maybe didn't play those full games, but I feel like that gap is wide enough. So I'm going to go with Merzlikens has more minutes than Thornton has points. A-plus logic right there. Thank you. Another question. You know, I strongly considered putting Yager for this one, where Yager actually has more points. But if you did the math, it seems like uh, it seems like Bennington has more. Uh, has more. But uh, I, I took it easy on you, not going to lie, because it's a Thank pretty fucking weird-ass question. So, yes, Thornton has 1,509 points, while Merzlikens has played eight. 1,815 minutes. So there's a 300 gap there. Um, so that's that. All right. We're running pretty good. We're at four for five. Uh, on track to win this. But here we go. Who was drafted earlier? Elvis 
or Braden Point? Oh, oh, uh, I'm pretty sure Braden Point went one pick before Merzlikens, right? Uh, unfortunately for you, you are incorrect. Um, Braden Point went three picks after uh, Elvis. Oh, Point went oh, 59. Yeah, and Merzlikens, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, who went one? Who went one after Braden Point? Because somebody that sticks out in my head is like someone notable. I don't know. Uh, I will. I can check that uh, real quick. Uh, so okay. right after Braden Point, round three was. I mean, after Braden Point was Louis Louis Belpedio, um, and oh. before him was Ilya Sorokin. That's pretty. That's pretty significant. But uh, yeah, yeah. all right. Louis Belpedio's kind of been in the NHL too, actually. That's funky. But, uh, yeah, I mean, right, I mean Kyle Ward is later down, but there's nobody really that stands out. But, uh, yeah, Elvis is three picks before Braden Point. And so you, your margin of error is zero now. Um, okay. okay, here we go. All right. This season, which is more? Elvis's goals against or Connor McDavid's total points this season? Ooh, Connor McDavid's total points. I don't think he wasn't at 100 yet. He was at like 90 something, I want to say. About 90. Merzlikens played 33 games, and for him to have given up 90 goals then he would have had to give up, you know, about three goals a game. I don't think – I think his average must have been lower than three. So I think McDavid has more points than Merzlikin has goals against. Yes, that is right. 97 to 71. Excellent math again. Uh, making our way through the quiz with solid multiplication skills. A plus, yeah. A plus. All right. This is it. The question that will – Decide if you pass or fail. Are we ready? Are we ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. All right. So, which is more? Stanley Cups won by Ron Hainsey or assists by Elvis Merzlikens? Okay. Ron Hainsey was on just the 2017 Penguins Cup. He wasn't there in 2016 against San Jose. He was only there in uh, for 2017 against Nashville. I am 96% sure of that. So that's one cup for Ron Hainsey. Merzlikens, uh, I have no clue how many assists he has. Um, the fact that you're asking this question possibly implies that he has at least one. Um, he wouldn't have exactly one because then there is no answer to this question. So that would mean he has two or more. But on the other hand, maybe you're trying to trick me and Rosalikens has no assists. So basically what I'm saying here is the answer is either one or the other. Uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Rosalikens has more assists than Hainsey has cups. That's my guess. It seems you have overthought this a tad because the quiz master gave you a question where Rosalikens has zero assists. Uh, throughout his entire career in the NHL. And Ron Hainsey, as you so astutely pointed out, has one Stanley Cup with the, with the Pittsburgh Penguins 
in the 2016-2017 season. And so, down to the last question, he has failed. Oh, so close. With wow. a 1-0 to zero score for Ron Hainsey. Thoughts? That hurts. Reaction. Man, you know what? Losing at your quizzes, I think, is more painful than it would be for you to lose at mine. Because when you lose at mine, you can say how unfair it was. But when I lose at yours, I have no one to blame but myself. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, this is. I mean, you got pretty fucking close, right? Like, this I is, really did. Holy shit! Like, we made our way. We logiced our way through this whole thing. We had a bunch of questions where you know it was pretty good. It's pretty good. But you goddamn, really bugging me. Yeah, the one that's really bugging me is the uh, the draft one who with Braden Point. If I I kind of I don't know why I thought right away Merzlikens went 80th and right after Point went 79th because I knew Point went 79th. I don't know why I jumped to that conclusion right away. What it was in my head because if I had stopped and thought about it a little longer, you know what I would have thought of? I would have remembered that the uh the Blue Jackets took what was it? Um, trying to Sonny Milano. Wait, when did they take Sonny Milano in that draft? Was it 16th overall? I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was 16th. Yeah. Yeah, so I would remember remember that they took Milano 16th and so would have probably had the 16th pick in each subsequent round, which would have given them 76th in the third round, which is where they took Merzlikens. So that's the one that's really hurting me right now. Wow. That's that would be flawless logic, to be totally honest. You would have nailed yep. it right on the nose. Uh, but unfortunately, <sighs> he has bungled a question that cost him in the end. Uh, he could have, You could have gone into that hazy, hazy question totally safe yep. had you gotten that question right. Yet oh, well. so close, yet so far. Uh, so yes. All right. That wraps it up for that quiz. And it wraps it up for this week. Unless you want to add something before we go. Uh, oh, do we want to do the uh, quarantine checkup? Sure. All right. Uh, you want to go first? Um, okay. I mean, not much changed since last week. It's been pretty good. Uh, I mean, I'm just waking up later and later at this point. The days just kind of go by faster. And so we got to fix that up real quick. Um, so yeah, I got the homework. My classes, my teaching, learning ends on May 1st. So I got a week to go. Um, and in the past week, uh, made a bunch of random YouTube videos, put them on Unlisted, and I rank a bunch of shit. And so, yeah, I'm kind of a content creator in the audio-visual format, too. I've expanded my range, not just podcasts. Yeah, your, your videos, I watched them, you sent them to me, they were very entertaining. And actually, as you know, inspired me to also create uh videos of my top 50 favorite things very similar to what you've done it ended up being split into two parts because i kind of got carried away a little bit and went on for a while uh the second one i'll probably upload it today it's 45 minutes long so that's that's just that's the second half of it is 45 minutes long i have no idea how long that'll take to upload considering the first one which was like 19 minutes gave me nightmares so i've been doing that the the past couple nights Lots of fun, actually, to change it up a little bit. I've been having a really good time with them. I've got two weeks left of school now, and I have a lot of work to do. I actually I have to do – I'm in a public speaking class, and I have to do a five-minute speech tomorrow morning over Microsoft Teams. 
So that that's going to be weird, but I mean, it'll probably be done soon. And like when summer vacation gets started, I hope we won't be too far off from, you know, a couple barriers getting lifted so that we can obviously very cautiously still, you know, get out and see other people. Um, April's going by really fast, I find. March, March was like the most eventful month of all time. So that one felt like 80 years long. But April, now that like every day is basically the same, it just, it's flying by. Yeah, absolutely bonkers that we've got like five days left in April. I could have sworn we were still complaining yesterday about how long March was. Uh, and yet uh, it's just kind of gone by in a flash. Uh, and uh, we're going to be heading into May soon. The weather's fucking beautiful yesterday. Uh, overcast today. But uh, yeah, we're hurtling towards summer. And uh, yeah, obviously we want to be cautious in this. But uh, very hopeful for some of these restrictions to be lifted because I haven't really seen anybody outside my family in uh, two months now. And uh, yeah, we're starting to want to get out. But obviously, got to be cautious first. So I'm pretty sure that's it for this week's Fusion and Hockey podcast. We will be back next week on May 3rd, Sunday, May 3rd. Maybe there'll be a couple more signings between now and then. Uh, I I guess at this point we're into this routine of alternating, making quizzes for each other. So I'll come up with something for you next week. All right, perfect. Looking forward to it. Hopefully I won't shoot myself in the foot. I'm looking forward to knocking it out of the park. And so thank you for listening. It means a lot that you stuck with us this entire time. Um, we looked at our stats. Shout out to you if you're listening from fucking France or Sweden. Uh, that's pretty wild. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's funky. And, uh, yeah, very much appreciate that you're still listening an hour into this thing. And, uh, yeah, best, best, health, best, best of the health wishing you and everybody. We all stay healthy. And uh, we'll see you next week. Oh, by the way, if any of you have oh, friends in foreign means- countries, uh, send this to them because – we look at our stats every once in a while and we'll be able to see, oh, someone listen from, oh, wherever that country is. And it and it, it makes us, you know, very interested and intrigued. So, uh, you know, spread the word across nation lines. Uh, I guess we'll end on that note. Ciao, everybody. Take care. This episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Sanborn's Boys. This new sports novel by Benji Mellers is available on Amazon. Order your copy of Sanborn's Boys.